0: All right, I want to welcome everyone and say thank you for joining us for our online campus today. It's so good to be back with you after having been gone a couple of weeks. I'm really thankful for those who filled the pulpit while I was gone, but I'm very, very happy to be back with you. Uh, if you have a Bible with you today, I want you to take it and turn to Psalm 118 and just hold that ready for a few minutes because there's a couple of things I want to mention before we turn our attention to the text. The first one is this, Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day weekend, all you moms. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, I am um, excited to be able to celebrate that with my wife, and I want to say happy Mother's Day to her. Uh, we love our moms, and um, we hope you have a very, very special day. The second thing I want to uh, say is uh, I know you're familiar with our dear, dear friends in India, Drs. Ajay and Indu Law, and the Central India Christian Mission, CICM. Uh, we've had a living link partnership. Uh, we, being Mount Pleasant, have had a Living Link partnership with them and that ministry for over 25 years. I don't know if you've been paying attention to the news or not, but India is, the midst, is in the midst of an unprecedented surge of the uh, COVID-19 virus. And I spent uh, some time on the phone with uh, with Brother Ajay this week, and we've exchanged some emails. He shared with me uh, that the news is reporting 400,000 new infections every single day and 3,000 deaths every single day in India. But here's the deal, Ajay told me that because of the fractured healthcare system in India, those numbers are surely underreported. And that's not hard for me to believe friends because I've been there multiple times and I know the the uh, the way the people are spread out. There's a there's over 1.3 billion people living in India. And so, Um, This is a very, very uh, uh, bad situation. And so I'm I'm just saying that, first of all, to ask you to pray for India. Pray for Ajay and Indu and the entire Central India Christian Mission team as they try to minister to people in great need. The second thing I'm going to ask you to do is to go to the uh, U.S. website for the mission, which is indiamission.org. indiamission.org. And right on the homepage... Uh, you can see a couple of different ways that you can help financially, either in uh, emergency relief or medical relief. And uh, I would encourage you uh, to do that. Let's uh, keep our brothers and sisters in India in our prayers. All right, let's turn our attention to um, Psalm 118. We're beginning a brand new sermon series this weekend called Peace in His Presence. We're talking about how you can have peace in the presence of God. And I'm going to begin by making a massive understatement. Life is hard. I don't imagine there's anybody listening to me right now who would disagree with that. Life is hard. And one of the reasons why I really love Psalm 118, which is going to be our text for the next three weeks, is because it begins by reinforcing to us the love of God even in the midst of difficult times. In fact, listen to the first four verses. This is how it begins Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. Now, one of the reasons why I like that, beyond just the truth uh, about the permanence of God's love, is I love repetition in the Bible because I do and will always believe that repetition is the absolute best way to learn. But I understand that sometimes repetition can be a little bit awkward when you're reading it in the Bible. So let me give you a little ancient Jewish context for Psalm 118. This psalm was most likely an entrance liturgy to the temple you don't know what the word liturgy means, think of the word ritual. And so when people would come into the temple, this would be something that they would do over and over and over again. Uh, It would be used kind of like a script and there would be parts for the leader and parts for the congregation. One example would be as people came into the temple, the leader would say, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. And then to reinforce that truth, he would say or sing prompts to the people, who are gathering so they could respond and he would uh, say or sing something like this, let Israel say, and all the people would say or sing, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, and the people would respond, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. Now, I've created my own version of how we might be able to do that, actually practice that when we gather together for in-person worship, but that's not going to work for you and me as we worship digitally online together. So here's how we begin. I say, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Now I need everybody watching on TV to say, his love endures forever. I need everybody watching on their computer to say, his love endures forever. And finally, I need everyone watching on their phone to say, his love endures forever. Is there any greater blessing than the knowledge that not only does God love us, but his love endures forever. I love the way the apostle Paul reinforces this truth about God's love for us in Romans chapter 8 verses 38 and 39. Listen to what he writes. He says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love the permanence of God's love that's reinforced over and over in the Bible. But here's the deal. Here's the hard truth. God's great love for us does not keep us from experiencing difficulty and hardship in our lives because life is hard. It strengthens us during those times. It encourages us. It carries us. It sustains us. But it doesn't shelter us. It doesn't keep us from difficulty. That's why we need to spend some time talking about How we can have peace in the presence of God, no matter what's happening around us, even in the most difficult times. And so if you have your Bibles open to Psalm 118, I want you to go ahead and follow along as I read our text for this first message. Now it's going to include those first four verses that we read just a minute ago, but we're really going to focus today on verses five through nine. But this is what the psalmist writes, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love endures forever. Let Israel say, His love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, His love endures forever. And here we get into the meat of today's message. The psalmist says, In my anguish, I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me by setting me free. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I will look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. We'll stop right there. We always ask God to bless the reading of his word. You know, I have pretty much the same routine every single morning. I get up and I begin my day with some alone time with God. I'm sure most of you do the same thing. I have a devotion that I read. Actually, I have a couple of different devotions that I read, and then I have a time of prayer. When I'm finished, I always look at the news headlines for our country and for our world, which almost makes me feel like I need to stop and pray some more. We're surrounded by the reality of trouble every single day. And if you don't know that, if you don't recognize that, then honestly, you've got your head buried in the sand. I'm sure many of you are familiar, at least on some level, with the great poem Rudyard Kipling wrote many years ago called If. It's very inspirational. He wrote, if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you... If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting, or being lied about, don't deal in lies, or being hated, don't give way to hating, and yet don't look too good, nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master. If you can think and not make thoughts your aim. If you can meet triumph and disaster and treat those two impostors just the same. If you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken twisted by knaves to make a trap, for fools or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them up with worn out tools if you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss if you can force your heart and nerve and send you to serve your turn long after they are gone and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them hold on if you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you but none too much, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with sixty seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything in it, and which is more, you'll be a man, my son." Great poem. Very inspirational. I like to read it from time to time. I also like to read the shorter, paraphrased version of that poem, that goes like this. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs, you probably don't understand what's going on. Don't you know that's the reality of life so much of the time? Life is hard. When I sit down for my quiet time, I go to a website called crosswalk.com. Crosswalk.com. You ought to write that down because that's where I find the devotionals that I read. When I'm finished with my devotions and prayer, there's a column, or a section, rather, of uh, that website, crosswalk.com, called News and Culture. And I'll look at it. It has the following categories. Top Headlines, Opinions, Christian Persecution, and on and on and on. The Top Headlines column is filled with articles about racial unrest, political division, social division, especially related to issues concerning the LGBT community, legal and moral failures by pastors and high-profile Christian leaders, Christian persecution, disaster relief. And sometimes when I finish, I just want to go back to bed. It's so discouraging and so troubling to me when I see the condition of the world around me. But it's not just trouble on a national or international level. We all have concerns right here in our daily lives that we worry about, that make us anxious. We've got family troubles, whether it's marriages that are struggling or concerns about your children. And you know what? You're always concerned about your children, whether they're young and in in the home with you or they're grown and gone. You never stop worrying about your children. There are health concerns, financial concerns, job concerns, and it just goes on and on and on. Sandy and I got home last Sunday afternoon from Eight days in Hawaii. The first few days we were there was just vacation, getaway days. But the next part of our time away was participation in an investors' meeting and a pastors' conference that was sponsored by the Solomon Foundation. During the pastors' conference, one of the speakers was a man named Dr. Wes Beavis, who is a clinical psychologist. He's a committed believer who specializes in helping pastors with ministry burnout. And let me tell you, friends, whenever he got up to talk, he had the attention of the entire room. Everybody was captivated during his entire sessions. After one of the sessions where he listed the signs and the realities of, burnouts, of burnout, rather, one of my friends asked me, can you relate to any of the things that he talked about? And I said, I've lived all the things that he talked about. I've been a pastor long enough to know that you can deal with stress and burnout in pretty much any profession in life. But ministry is a unique vocation because in ministry, you can swing between the pendulum of great joy and the pendulum of great despair, just like that. You can experience great joy on a Sunday and great despair on a Monday morning. So let me go back to what I said in the very beginning life is hard. And since life is hard, we need a plan for survival that enables us to experience the peace of God in our lives, to be at peace in the presence of God, no matter what's going on around us. And that's what I believe we find in Psalm 118. So I'm going to share the first of three messages this weekend about how we can find that peace when life is hard. The first message is simply called you can count on God and if you're someone who likes to read we're going to look at those first nine verses in particular verses five through nine but if you're like if you're someone who likes to take notes I want you to write down next to number one somewhere this first point okay here it is choose God when life is hard choose God when you need peace you need to choose God I know that sounds simple maybe even overly simplistic but after 40 years of being a pastor i can tell you that when trouble and difficulty come there are a lot of people who do just the opposite of what we're going to talk about and instead of choosing god they turn away from god i have seen that over and over and over again so when life is hard you need to choose god i want you to look back with me at psalm 118 and verse 5. so after that great beginning where we're talked, where we're reminded of the permanence of god's love four different times in verses one through four we read the words his love endures forever. You get to verse five and everything starts to get real. As the psalmist writes, in my anguish, I cried to the Lord and he answered by setting me free. In my anguish, I cried to the Lord and he answered by setting me free. I want you to know real quickly that there are three things that stand out to me in that simple verse. The first one is this, there's the cry of anguish. And I just want you to feel the pain of that the psalmist feels when he writes those words. There's the cry of anguish. That word anguish in the original language of the Old Testament, the Hebrew language, is the word sarar. And it literally means to bind. I want you to get the idea of the picture of being bound. It's the idea of being so troubled and so distressed that you feel like life is closing in on you and restricting you and constraining you. You know, I, when I when I read that definition, I thought about when I began my cancer treatment over nine years ago that involved being in a a radiation tube, which I don't know any other way to describe it, being slid into a radiation tube every day, Monday through Friday for several weeks. And from the very beginning, people kept asking me the question, are you claustrophobic? Are you claustrophobic? seemed like everywhere I went, you know, leading up to the beginning of the treatment, people always would add the question, are you claustrophobic? And you know, my response was, I don't think so. I don't know. I've never been in a situation to know. But let me tell you something, when they started sliding me into that tube and, uh, you know, the upper part of my body was in there and there was um, about this much clearance between my face and the top of the tube and no room on the side and I was strapped down to a board, I found out I am claustrophobic and I had to take uh, some medication to relax me enough to be able to do that. Well, life is like that sometimes. Life feels like it's closing in on us and causing us uh, to feel Uh, like it's crushing our soul. We talked about the word trouble a few weeks ago and related to a New Testament verse. That's the Greek word thlipsis in the New Testament. And it literally means to crush or to press. It's like being in a vice. It's the same idea here. Uh, The psalmist isn't talking about just mild discomfort. When he uses the word anguish, he's talking about living under great pressure and great despair. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been there? I imagine all of us have. So the first thing that stands out to me is the, the depth of that word anguish. This song, this guy, the guy who writes this psalm is writing from a bad place, a dark place. The second thing that stands out to me is the response of God. The psalmist says, in my anguish, or in other words, in the midst of pressure that was crushing my soul, he said, I cried out to the Lord and he answered me by setting me free. That's the way it reads in my NIV Bible, my 1984 NIV Bible that I love, but I don't like the way it's rendered in my NIV Bible. I like the way it's rendered in the New American Standard Bible. In that Bible, it reads like this, from my distress, they use the word distress instead of anguish, but the same Hebrew word, when life is crushing me, when life was crushing me, I called upon the Lord, and this is how the New American Standard Bible reads, the Lord answered me and put me in an open space. When life was crushing and constraining and binding me and I was claustrophobic under the burden of it, I cried out to God and He put me in an open space. In the New King James Bible, it says, He put me in a broad place. I love the imagery of that, don't you? I love the way that sounds. When life is hard and everything is closing in around you, you can call out to God. You can cry out to God. You can choose God, cry out to Him. And he will remove you from that constrainment, from that binding, and put you in an open space. I wish we had more time to talk about that because the imagery is so vivid. The third and final thing that I notice in verse 5 is just what I'm going to call the testimony of the psalmist. Let's just listen to the verse again in its entirety. And let's listen to it like it's a declaration in my anguish, when life was crushing my soul, I cried out to the Lord and he answered me by setting me free. And I look at that and I basically see the psalmist writing, listen to me because I'm living proof of the love and the mercy of God. Because when life was hard and it was crushing my soul, when I was in a difficult place, feeling bound and constrained, I cried out to the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me, set me free. He took me from that place and put me in an open space. I'm the living testimony to the faithfulness of God, even in the most difficult time. It's powerful. It's powerful because I'm convinced that what so many of us need, and I'll put myself in this category as well, what so many of us need when life is hard is we need someone to come alongside of us and say something like this, listen, I was right where you are and the Lord delivered me. He set me free. I was right where you are. I felt life closing in on me, crushing my marriage, crushing my relationship with my children, crushing my finances, crushing my health, and on and on and on. But the Lord, I cried out to the Lord. I chose God, and I cried out to him, and he relieved. He brought relief from all of that by putting me in an open space, by setting me free. That's what we need. That's what we need to provide for one another. I have a really close friend from college days, actually even pre-college days, uh, whose name is Robin Sigers. Maybe you recognize that name. He's actually been here and preached. It's been quite a while ago, but I had him in as a guest speaker once. He worked for Christ in Youth Conference uh, for several years. That's the, that's the organization, the ministry that puts on CIY Move, CIY Believe, and the different things uh, that our kids go to in the summertime, uh, he he left CIY a while ago and he's been leading a great church in Missouri. Not long ago, I mean, just really recent, he was diagnosed with the exact same kind of cancer that I had. It's in his tonsil with um, lymph nodes being affected as well. Uh, ever since I find, I found out about that, and he found out about that. We've been in constant contact. We've been on the phone talking. We've been texting. and we were texting, I was texting him on the plane when I was getting ready to fly one of the legs of the trip to Hawaii. And as soon as I got back, I texted him. He began his treatment this week. Uh, and uh, one of the things that I have tried to say to him is the exact same thing that the psalmist here in 118 says in verse 5. Um, I've tried to say, listen, look at me. I know you're scared. I know there's a lot of unknown, but I want you to look at me because I was right where you are over nine years ago. I chose God. I cried out to the Lord and he delivered me. He set me free. He took me from that place of of, of feeling crushed because of the unknown and feeling crushed by fear and he put me in a broad open space. I've actually done that same thing with several people over the years uh, since I had that cancer and I, I'm doing it right now with a man in our church that I am encouraging or trying to encourage. There's great power and great blessing in simply coming alongside someone and saying, listen, I've been where you are. Look at me now. And it's not because where I'm at now is not because of anything I did. It's because in my anguish, when life again was crushing my soul, I cried out to the Lord and he set me free. He delivered me. He moved me from that place of, of crushing despair to an open space where I can keep my eyes on him. That's why Psalm 118 in verse six goes on to say, the Lord is with me, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me, he is my helper. I will look in triumph on my enemies. Remember those words from Romans chapter eight about the love of God, verses 38 and 39. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So listen, the first thing you do when life is hard, when life is hard for you, when life, the the difficulty of life is crushing you and you feel constrained and bound up under the pressure is you choose God because a lot of people don't. They turn away from God. That's a mistake. Choose God and choose to let him set you free. Here's the second thing. There's only two points in the message. Write this down somewhere and uh, I'm going to build on the first point. Here's the second one. Choose God because everyone and everything else is a poor substitute. Look with me now at Psalm 118, this time verses 7 through 9. We just talked about verses 5 and 6. The psalmist goes on to say, The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I will look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Now, I spent a lot of time on the first point, so I need to do this quickly. Let's talk about verse uh, 7 there for just a minute. The psalmist says, the Lord is with me. He is my helper. I will look with triumph on my enemies. If I were going to take that first part of verse 7 where, he, where the psalmist says, the Lord is with me. He is my helper. If I were going to take that and paraphrase it or put it in my own words, I would say this. What the psalmist is telling us is God is for me. Number one, God is for me. And number two, God is going to help me. Now, again, uh, this is a theme uh, I know that sounds simple, maybe even overly simple, but I don't want you to discount the power of those words. God is for me and God is going to help me. And here's why I say this. Here's why I want to emphasize this. I've been a Christian long enough and I've been a pastor long enough to know that two of the biggest lies that we often tell ourselves is number one, this is what we just say when we're going through difficult times or we've got some challenge. Number one, we say, God is not with me, or excuse me, God is not for me. And number two, God will not help me. God is not for me, and God will not help me. We just get this negative perspective sometimes, but neither of those statements are true. First of all, I want you to know God is for you. No matter what's happening in your life, God is for you. When I was looking at this verse, I started to think, maybe some of you are like me in that you grew up in a church that always seemed to focus on the judgment of God. And so you heard a lot of messages and a lot of lessons and a lot of Bible studies about an angry God or a a judging God. Uh, I I love the little church that I grew up in in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I loved it. I've said before, and maybe you've heard me say this, I believe that church saved my life. Certainly not in the sense of spiritually, because uh, no church can do that for you. We're saved by... The grace of God when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But they saved me emotionally. They saved me in terms of the direction of my life because uh, that was a place where I was loved, where I was nurtured, where people saw the best in me and constantly encouraged me all the time, where people uh, kind of set in motion and uh, with their words in some ways the future that I ended up living out and continue to live today. So I love that church. I've The three churches that I've served as pastors have been great churches. I've loved each and every one of them. I love this church. But that little church that I grew up in will always be, in my mind, the greatest church that I've ever been a part of. But when I was growing up, that church, more often than not, talked about judgment, the judgment of God. And that had a big impact on what I believed about God for a long time. And even today, after all these years, I mean, gosh, I'm almost 63 years old. After all these years, uh, that that negative aspect, that judgment of God can sometimes creep back into my heart and my mind. I don't have any problems when I pray feeling the need to confess my sin, and that goes all the way back to the beginning. Now, I certainly believe in the holiness of God and that God's desire for me, for you, for all of us is to live a holy life, but I'm also so very thankful now as a believer that I fully, I feel like I fully understand the love and the mercy and the grace the grace of God that covers my life. Because there were so many times when I was younger where I believed that God was not for me because I was not good enough. And the truth is, I'm not good enough. You're not good enough. None of us are. And that's why we need to understand uh, the love and the mercy and the grace of God. And when we do that, we understand that God is for us. You know, God doesn't just love you, God likes you. He likes you. He's for you in every way. That's the first thing that the psalmist says in the first part of verse 7 when he says, the Lord is with me. And then he goes on to say, he is my helper. That means that God will help you. No matter what you're going through or facing today, God will help you. Well, how's God going to help you? He can do it in a number of different ways, but one of the ways, and this is revealed in our text uh, down in verses 8 and 9, is that He will help us by being a refuge for us, a refuge for us. I want you to hang on to that word refuge. I'm actually going to put another passage up on the screen, Psalm 46, verses 1 and 2, because it talks about God being a refuge, and I like the descriptive way that it talks about. Look at uh, Psalm 46, verses 1 and 2. The psalmist says, God is our refuge. Wherever you are right now, say refuge. Refuge. God is our refuge. And then he goes on to say and strength, and ever-present help in trouble, in trouble, in that the crushing reality of life. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. We won't be afraid. In all of that, we won't be afraid. And that passage is telling us the same thing that Psalm 118 verses 8 and 9 are telling us, is that God is our refuge. Now, here's the deal. Sometimes when when we're experience the difficulty of life and we cry out in our anguish and our distress to God, he'll deliver us. Sometimes he'll set us free from the difficulty of life, but sometimes he doesn't because in his sovereignty, and his wisdom, he looks and he knows the trouble, the difficulty will have a long-term benefit on us as we persevere through it. And so in those moments, what he does, this is how he helps us, he becomes a refuge Us, we need to see him that way, becomes a refuge for us, and a refuge more than anything else is a place of safety, a place of protection, a place where you can go in the midst of a difficulty. You know, if there's a terrible storm, you know, like I grew up in Oklahoma in Tornado Alley, we can have tornadoes around here, and uh, my home in Oklahoma that place of safety was in the middle of the house. In the bathtub, I can remember put my kids in the bathtub in the in the center bathroom of my house putting a twin mattress over the top of them. Um, here it would be a basement because uh, so many people have basements or maybe even some kind of a storm shelter. That's what a refuge is. It's a place of safety. And that's what God is for us. He's a place of safety. So here's the two things. Here's the two things. God is for you and he will help you. When trouble comes, God is for you and he will help you. And you know, that just, uh, something that strikes me about that is that we re- need to remember if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, as you're listening to me today, that at the end of the day, we need to model those same truths that God models for us with one another. And we need to be for one another and we need to be willing to help one another. And we got a crazy competitive world that we live in sometimes, and even, <clears throat> and we got jealousies and we can be petty in our humanity, but as believers, we need to be for one another, and we need to be willing to help one another. One of the best things we can do in our, Christian's life, our Christian lives is model that reality of God for one another and for other people, but at the same time, we need to remember at the end of the day that people are just people. That means that <clears throat> I'm just as fallible as you, and you're just as fallible as me. We all make the same mistakes. We all have the same problems, and so when people let us down when people aren't everything that we hoped they, they would be for us, when they're not there for us the way we hoped that they would be, we just need to remember that ultimately our great help comes from God. That's why the psalmist wrote, and this is how the passage ends. This is Psalm 118, verses 8 and 9. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord even than to trust in princes. At the end of the day, while we need one another and we should be uh, supportive, we should be for one another and help one another. At the end of the day, it's God. We choose God because everyone and everything else is a poor substitute. Even good, godly, well-intentioned people will sometimes let us down, but God never will. Look at this verse on the screen from Psalm 20 and verse 7. I think this should be a a memory verse for all of us. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. All right, I need to bring this to a conclusion. Uh, I need to bring this to a close. So uh, let me just say this. No matter what you face in life, this is the message. The first message from Psalm 18 in this series called Peace in His Presence. No matter what you face in this life, you can count on God. Choose God because you can count on God, and that means you can find peace in His presence. You can find peace in His presence because He loves you and He's for you. You can find peace in His presence because He wants to help you. God wants to help you. When the troubles and difficulties of life start pressing in around you and you feel them crushing your soul, he wants to come alongside and set you free. He wants to take you from that place of binding and constraint to an open space where you enjoy his presence and you know, you feel his presence. He wants to take the pressure off. And, when, and, and even in the moments when he doesn't necessarily remove the trouble, he's there for you as a refuge, as a safe place for you to turn. And so uh, we need to remember that. And I want to close this way, just like we began in kind of an interactive way or I showed you what the in-person service is going to look like in an interactive way. Uh, I want to end in an interactive way, and I know this might be kind of weird. I don't know who's there with you as you're listening. Maybe it's just you alone. Maybe it's you and your spouse. Maybe it's you and your family. But I want you to repeat after me some simple statements I want you to repeat after me, even in this online setting. God's love endures forever. I want you to say that. The second one is this. God is for me. God is for me. Say that. The third one is, God will help me. Say that out loud. God will help me. And the final one is this. I can find peace in the presence of God. Say that. His peace is available to you no matter how difficult your life may be today. I, you, can find peace in the presence of God. One last thing real quickly. I want to challenge all of you, everyone who's listening to my voice this week to do one thing. I want to challenge you to go out. I want you to look for someone who is in the middle of a storm, in the middle of a difficult time. I want you to look for someone who, who is being crushed by some kind of a difficulty. And I want you to find a way to be like God for them. I want you to model. And what I mean by that is to model the, re, the characteristics of God for them by, by being for them. I want you to find a way to communicate that you are for them. And I want you to find a way to help them. Man, if you would do that, if I would do that, if we would all do that, then that would drive the truth of this message home much more powerfully than anything that I've said today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together. We love you so much. Thank you that we can know that you love us. Thank you that we can know that you are for us. Thank you that we can know that you will help us, that you are always with us. And I pray, Father, no matter what we're experiencing in our lives today, no matter how crushing life may be to us, that we'll choose you and we'll find peace in your presence. In Jesus' name.